So we are in week five of a series we've called uh, Parables, and the reason we called that is because it's about the parables. See how clever and creative we are? It's pretty nice, right? Um, so let's give you this quick review, all right? Week one, we talked about the parable of the seed and the sower. And I asked you a couple of questions. I, I, I said, uh, you know, do we, do we always make that connection? Jesus used the word understand. And he wasn't talking about cognitive understanding. He's like, are you taking these words that I'm giving you and applying them to your life? Are you making the connection between these ideas and what they mean to you? And we said, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we got to ask this question. Who needs some seed? Are we, are we spending our life spreading the word of God? Are we spending our life spreading the seed of, of the master? Then week two, we talked about uh, Jesus told a parable about how uh, what what comes, what we eat is not what defiles us. What comes out of our mouths is what really defiles us. Um, and, and then week three, we talked about the parable of the lost son. Um, we said that God specializes in finding lost things. Anybody can testify that God found you in a lost place? Amen, Amen me too. Um, and we said, I, I, I love this idea. We, we said that a famine is a good thing if it points you to the father's house. Uh, anybody ever walked to a famine and it turned out being a good thing? Yeah, me too. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, the parable of the, the wedding and the bridegroom coming. And oh, by the way, he's coming. And I hope you're listening for him. And I hope that you're prepared. <clears throat> so that brings us today. And we're going to talk about probably the most famous parable in, in the entire Bible. Uh, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And... So I, I told the guys in the prayer room, I'm like, I need you to help, help pray for me because I'm going to get up and, and talk about how angry I am about all that's going on in Israel, and then I'm going to preach a sermon about loving your neighbor, and I'm like, I want to make sure that we're able to make that connection, and, and so, but I, I think we can. All right, here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, or you've got something with the Bible on it, some device, your phone, an iPad, a stone chisel. Uh, stone tablet, something. Luke chapter 10 will be on the screen behind me. Start with verse 25. And here we go. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, talking about the lawyer, said, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus, who was the greatest teacher that's ever walked the planet, told this story. And here we go. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Let me just give you a quick little lesson. The Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. They were... Frankly, moral en enemies over two issues, okay? 
ethnicity and religion. Aren't you glad we don't have to deal with that stuff anymore? <laughs> ethnicity and religion was what was causing the problem between the Jews and the Samaritans. And oh, by the way, guess what? That's pretty much still what's causing the problems today, isn't it? But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. And then Jesus asked a very profound question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So what we're going to talk about over the next couple minutes is how do I love my neighbor. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, I love you. God, teach us to be more like you. Teach us to love like you love, teach us, God, to push past our, our, our own agendas, push past our own biases and values, and push past our own things that would prevent us from loving other people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There, there's a phrase that we say around here a lot. Uh, we say, love God, love people. Um, let's, let's modify that for this morning, okay? Let's say, love God, love all people. In fact, it, see, the lawyer that's asking this question said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? If you read a little deeper into that, that question, you know what he's asking? Who's it okay not to love? Who's my neighbor? He said, I got to love my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Because I, I love them, but who, who's outside of that? And Jesus was like, all right, I got some teaching to do now. And, and, and he picked the one group of people that the Jewish guy could not love. Because you have to understand this, this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans were so, was so deep. They, the Jewish people, Donna talked about it last week, wouldn't even walk through their town. They I don't, I don't want to be near them. I don't want to associate them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And so Jesus is like, well, I'm putting them in the story. <laughs> See, the, 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 the lawyer was like, who, who can I not love? And Jesus said, you know, you're going to have to love everybody, even my enemies. How's that even possible, by the way? How's it even possible to love somebody that is your enemy? How's it even possible to, to, to love somebody that you don't agree with, that, that you don't that have no commonality with whatsoever? You don't believe the same. You don't act the same. You don't have the same values. How can you love somebody that is nothing like you? Well, Jesus gives us a pretty good example. That's what we're going to talk about today. The first thing I, I want to point out, though, did, did you notice how, and, and I've said this before, the, the people that Jesus had the greatest conflict with was, were religious leaders. You know, you, you notice the first two people in the story was a priest 
which, you know, let's, in, in modern terms, let's say he, or he's a pastor. He, he's a pastor, and he just passes by on the other side. The, the other guy was a Levite. All right, in our terms, it would be an, an elder, a deacon. And these two very religious guys found a way to not love. And, and so what I'm going to tell you is that they had an incredible opportunity, according to the story, to express the love of God, and they missed it. So I'm going to tell you to write this down. Don't miss divine opportunities. Um, I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again. I'm a little bit of a word nerd. Um, there, there's this phrase uh, in the story where Jesus says, now by chance a priest was going down that road. By chance the priest was going down that road. Here's what that phrase by chance only appears one time in the whole Bible, and it's right there. And, and so I'm like, I got I to gotta dig a little deeper. And, and there's a lot of commentaries. Let, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten a text message and you didn't know how to take it because there was no emotion behind it? You know, sometimes a text message, you're like, are they kidding? Are they not kidding? Is, it, is this real? I don't uh, Mikey sent me a, a text message. See, Mikey's are very clear uh, when he sends a text message. You know, he, Mikey, you're not going to get a K from Mikey. Uh, Mikey was preparing for my beautiful granddaughter's uh, uh, birthday party yesterday, and he, he sent me a text, and he said, the outside of my house smells like freshly mown grass. The inside of my house smells like barbecue. I want to shoot a gun and punch a communist. <laughs> Very clear, right? Very clear. No, no ambiguity there whatsoever, right? That's pretty clear. But sometimes you get a text message, and you're like, is it? I'm not sure. But, and, and sometimes we read Scripture, and we're like, what's the emotion behind these words? Now by chance. See, there's many scholars believe that that word chance there isn't a great, isn't a great translation. Uh, maybe a, a, a better translation would be ironically. There are some commentators that believe that Jesus was speaking in a term um, that that pointed to divine forethought. In other words, if Jesus were telling the story, very possibly it could have been like this. By chance, how many know that God doesn't work in coincidences? So these two very, very religious people had a divine opportunity to express the love of God, and they so my question is, how many times do you and I have an opportunity to express the love of God and we miss it? Do you know why these guy, guys missed it? They were too busy. See, these guys were on their way home. See, if you, if you read it closely, we're going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Most of the priests lived in Jericho, worked in Jerusalem, so they're on 285 going home. And they see this guy broken down, and they moved over into the fast lane. Don't have time. I've done my religious duty for the day. And they missed a divine appointment to help 
and to express the love of God. Now listen, are you going to miss them? Of course you are. Am I? Of course I am. I wonder if we couldn't ask God to help us tune our eyes and ears for those, those appointments. Not too terribly long. I was going to have a sermon very much like this. And it was going on in my head, and I was on my way to this building from my house. Many of you guys know where I live. I'm on Youth Jersey Road, and there's a, there's a car broken down on the side. And I'm like, got to go to church. Got to go to church. On my way to preach the gospel about loving my neighbor. And I get about, I don't know, a tenth of a mile past that car, and Y'all, I don't know how God talks to y'all, but here's how he talked to me that morning. Seriously? That, that's really what you're going to do? And, and so guess what I had to do? Spun around. I was like, all right. Spun around and, and, and went to the lady, and I was like, are, are you okay? Can, what, what can I do for you? My son's on my way. He'll be here in just a couple minutes. I'm good. And I was like, God, you put that lady on this road for me this morning. So I'm going to tell you that in our busyness, even though... Maybe you've done your religious duty for the day. You've done your devotion. You've shared it on Facebook. Let's make sure that we don't miss those divine opportunities to love somebody, even somebody that might not love you back. A divine opportunity to share the love of God with a world that, how many would agree, so desperately, desperately, desperately needs it. So what does it look like to love your neighbor? Jesus told us. First of all, you might want to write this down. Loving your neighbor requires compassion. Compassion. Um, compassion is a, is, is a very cool word. Um, let me see if I can. Compassion appears in the New Testament 12 times. And so I'm like, I want to I see the context of those 12 times. And almost every time, Jesus isn't telling us to have compassion. You know what he's doing? He's showing compassion. In almost every context of that word compassion, it's things like, and Jesus was moved with compassion. See, here's what we need to understand. Jesus isn't telling us to have compassion. Jesus is telling us to love people like he loved them. And listen, compassion isn't a feeling. Compassion isn't, all right, let's put it in a, in a context that we understand. Compassion isn't feeling pity for the homeless people with cold, wet feet. Compassion is buying a pair of socks. You understand the difference? Compassion isn't feeling bad for the uh, you know, the, the missionary that's trying to raise money to build wells in Africa. It's not feeling compassion. Compassion is writing a check. Compassion is action. In fact, if you read, when, when the Bible says Jesus is moved with compassion. If, if it doesn't cause you to act, it's not compassion, it's pity. And so what I believe God wants you and I to do is to be moved with compassion don't just see the divine opportunity do something about it 
Don't just feel bad for the person who needs your help. Do something. We've been talking on Wednesday night about being the church, and here's our phrase. Ask yourself, what should the church be doing? And then go do it. Because who's the church? You are. And if, if, if we're going to put this parable in action, it means we see a need, and then we do all we can to meet a need. We don't pass by on the other side because we're too busy. Now, are there moments when circumstances prevent you from taking action? Of course there are. I'm not telling you you got to turn your life upside down every time you see a car on the side of the road. I am telling you that if you'll follow, listen, I, I, I believe that God still speaks. There are a lot of denominations that believe that God doesn't speak to, to humanity anymore. If that's the case, then I'm schizophrenic. Because <laughs> I hear that voice in my head all the time, y'all. I, I, I am telling you that in those moments when you, when you genuinely hear the voice of the Lord. And, and listen, y'all, sometimes the need is the call. Sometimes the need is the voice of God. Right. I was so proud. I'm, I remember my... Uh, this past year obviously was just just crazy uh, and so my my memories keep popping up of things that we were doing here from last year when the pandemic started and I'll never forget just and and it popped up just the other day I, I was in one of those preacher modes with nobody in the building <laughs> and started going we got to feed people we got to feed people we got to feed people went to lunch came back by here and there's bags and bags and bags and bags of groceries at the front door you know what that is that's seeing a divine opportunity and being moved with compassion that's not just seeing a need that's doing something about it oh i've done my religious duty i tuned in to watch Dwayne for 45 minutes i'm done no no it requires compassion so loving your neighbor requires compassion look at somebody and say move it Loving your neighbor, write this down, requires effort. I, I, I think it's interesting the way Jesus chooses his words here. Verse 34, talking about the Samaritan, says, all right, so here's, here's the context. He sees the Samaritan. All right, so the, the priest and the Levi see the Samaritan go the other direction, Right? The Samaritan sees the, the, the person in need. And verse 34 says, he went to him, bound up his wounds, poured on the oil and wine, put him on his own beast. So I, I believe that there are those moments when God sends people to you. Do you believe that? I also believe that, in fact, probably more times, God sends you to somebody. Who's in your world right now? Who's in your world right now that God is sending you to? Who's in your world right now? Don and I have this conversation all the time. Maybe, maybe this person has crossed our path for just this reason. Maybe this person is in your life for one reason for you to be moved with compassion, throw some seed. 
you may see these parables start to tie together. Sometimes God sends people to you. A lot of times God sends you to somebody. We got to be about the business of keeping our eyes open for those divine opportunities when God may be sending us into the heart and life of someone who may never experience a worship experience like this. They may never come to a church. They may never come and hear a preacher, hear a worship team. They may never, never, may never come and experience it like this. But what if the reason that person is in your life is so you can put a little oil on their wounds? What if? What if? See, I, I, I'm not sure, but I don't believe that there's ever a moment when we're more like Jesus than when we go to the hurting and the wounded and help them. It requires effort. It may inconvenience you, but it requires effort. It may change your schedule, but it's the right thing to do. Compassion, effort, loving your neighbor, write this down, requires generosity. I had this conversation with someone this week. I wish I could remember who it was. <clears throat> but we were talking about generosity. And, and the truth is, how many know generosity isn't always money? Sometimes generosity is time. Sometimes generosity is resources. Sometimes generosity is wisdom. I have a friend, his name is Tim Johnson, and he knows a lot of stuff about stuff. <laughs> I have this goal in my life. I have this goal in my life. I want to complete a project in my house and go to Home Depot one time <laughs> and not have to call Tim Johnson. As of yet, it's never happened. Either of those two things. He's generous with his knowledge. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes generosity doesn't look like money. In this case, it did. The Bible says that he gave the, the innkeeper two denarii. That doesn't mean anything to you, does it? You know what, how much a denarii was in, in this context? A day's wage. So I want you to imagine what, what you earn a day, double it, and that's what this dude left for the Samaritan's care. When I can't do that. You, you can't always. But what if... I just... If this is all a divine thing, if God divinely puts something in... Someone in your path with a need, I, I'm just choosing to believe that He's already prepared you to meet the need. Right. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe it's with monetary resources. Maybe it's with your wisdom. Maybe it's with your knowledge. But we got to be generous. What if, what if that thing that God has uniquely gifted you to do? And, and you know, in this room, we, we all have different skills and abilities and passions, gifts. What if that thing that God has uniquely designed you to do was what he was going to use to help put oil on the wound of somebody that 
he's going to send you to in a divine appointment? What if God has prepared you for what he is preparing you for? What if? And, and, and listen, we, we hear that phrases like that and we think greatness and prosperity and money and position and power and he may be preparing you to serve the wounded. Maybe. Maybe. You know, it, it, was, it was really a blessing to witness a little bit what was going on here Friday evening. It was, I, I was in my office doing some stuff. They were in here setting up, and I kept sticking my head in the door. And they were like, why are you here? <laughs> because it was infectious. Even, even in, the prepare, in the preparation part, it was, there was laughter. There was joy and food. So that was part of the reason I was coming in is to sample, because I feel like as a pastor, it's my responsibility to make sure that what we're going to feed you is proper and good, right? So I wanted to come in and, and make sure that, you know, I take my role here very seriously. But just after the craziest year that any of us have ever lived, to laugh and have fun and put our arms around each other and just be goofy and laugh and celebrate. Because the truth of the matter is, y'all, we've got a reason to celebrate. Yes. His name's Jesus, and he's changed our life. Requires generosity. Write this down. Loving your neighbor requires obedience. Last thing Jesus said in this story Hey, you, go and do likewise. So, you know, if you need a reason to look out for these divine appointments, if you need a reason to be generous and compassionate for the needs of those around us, it's because he told us to. And if I'm a follower of Christ, my responsibility is to listen to God and do what he says. And so here's the deal. Um, What's the opposite of obedience? So if, if I don't do likewise, then I'm living in disobedience to what Christ has commanded me to do. And I don't want to do that. You know, and, and I'm going to tell you, and, and this, is, this may come as a great surprise, you're not always going to feel like it. Am I right about that? You're not always going to feel like serving. You're not always going to feel like helping. You're not always going to feel like being compassionate and generous. That doesn't matter. That doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to go and do likewise. That doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to be salt and light, to be the hands and feet and voice of Christ in a dark generation. That doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to go to them and be Jesus to the world. You're not going to feel like it. I'm going to let you in a little surprise. There are Sundays that I don't feel like standing up here. I know you find that hard to believe. Um, there are Sundays when Donna might not feel like leading worship. There are, I promise you this, now she's never told me this, but I, I promise you that there are Sundays when Cindy and Laurie and Bridget don't feel like watching your babies, watching your kids. I promise they don't feel like teaching at some Sundays. I promise you that there's ladies working at nursery, maybe even this morning, that don't feel like wiping your kids' honey. why we do it? Because he told us to. Yes. It's 
So we're obedient. And, and so here's what I'm learning. And maybe you can, you can testify to this. Sometimes when we do things that we don't feel like doing out of obedience, after a while we'll start feeling like doing it. So here's what I'm going to, you write, write this down. Here's what I'm going to give you now before we leave. I'm going to give you the why behind the what. I've told you what to do. That we had to be obedient, we had to be compassionate, we had to be generous, had to be moved with compassion, but why would I do that? Jesus said, go and do likewise. Why would I do that? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you. How can I love my enemy? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you. That's exactly what God our Father did for you and me. Now, I know you don't like the idea of us in an enemy relationship with the Heavenly Father. But that's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 5, there's these three very powerful verses I want to share with you as we get ready to close. Donnie, you can come up, go ahead and come on up here. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God showed his great love. Say love. love. His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, there's, there's one translation that says, While we were yet worthless to him, Christ died for us. He loved us. Now listen, he doesn't love me because I preach and because I pastor a church. He didn't love you because you do what you do. He loves you because you're you. Period. He loves you and he loved you way before you loved him. And if you're in this building this morning and you don't love him, guess what? That doesn't change how he feels about you. You might be in this building denying his existence. That doesn't change how he feels about you. In fact, there's nothing you could do this morning to make him love you less than he loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's verse 8. Verse 9 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by joining a church, <laughs> and acting right and paying my tithes going to growth group turning over a new leaf that's not what it says is it been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ he will certainly save us from God's condemnation in other words the judgment of God is a very real thing. But if you know Jesus, you don't, it's not part of your future. And then I love verse 10. Listen, for since our friendship with God was restored, in other words, so if, if our friendship was, with God was restored, does that mean there was a moment when it was broken? When our relationship with God was broken, it, it does mean that. Do you know why? Because we broke it. 
Our, our friendship with God was restored because I joined a church, because I do the right thing. No, our friendship was God, with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His, what's that word? Enemies. Enemies. And we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Have we been called to love all people? I think so. Our enemies, if, if we're going to love like Jesus loved, then yes. Does that mean you got to appreciate what they're doing? Does that mean you have to, uh, you, you know, celebrate their, you know, their, the, the fact that they're an enemy with you? Of course not. doesn't mean we have to love them. It doesn't mean we need to pray for them. It does mean that we need to look out for those divine appointments where God might be sending us to someone, even those folks that you might not agree with. And here's what will happen. How many, how many know that religion never transformed anybody? But how many know that Jesus is in the transformational business? All right, let me, let me show you how that works. 2,000 years ago, the word Samaritan on the lips of a Jewish person was almost a cuss word. Literally. It's like, sorry, stinking Samaritan. I mean, it was, it, was, it was that much hatred. But now that word's attached to things like Samaritan's Purse, to charitable organizations that are going out and doing good. Jesus transformed the word with this story. And he can transform your heart with his word. So maybe you're here. Dwayne, I, I want to I, I go and do likewise. I want to be more like, I want to love and I want to be compassionate and I want to be moved with generosity and I want to I go to those in my world. I, I just want you to take this as a challenge this morning. Not, not going to make you sign a connection card for it. I'm going to make you check the box. I just want you to be challenged to love even when it's hard. To love those that are hard to love. I wonder, is there, is anybody in the room besides me that could say that there was a point in your life when you were pretty unlovable? Aren't you glad that somebody loved you in spite of that? Go and do likewise. Has, has there been a point, maybe it was just me, maybe some of you that could say, you know, there was a time in my life where people were trying to love me and I rejected them and I pushed them away. Can anybody say that? Are you glad that they pushed through your rejection and can, kept loving you? Go and do likewise. That's our challenge. Pray with me. Father, in the name of your Son, that's uh, name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare with our voice that there are times when we don't, we don't love like we ought to. We don't have compassion like we ought. We're not generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure like we ought to be. So God, I pray that by the power of your spirit that lives within us this morning, 
God, that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us compassion and that you would help us to seize those divine moments when you've placed others in our path or those moments when you're sending us to others. To love like Jesus loved. Even those in our world that we might not agree with, we might not share commonality with in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But God, we can love them. Sometimes love is a prayer. Sometimes love is a word of encouragement. Sometimes love is casting the seed of the word of God. Sometimes love is a coffee or a meal. Sometimes love is an encouraging word. Sometimes love is eye-to-eye contact and, and a moment of conversation with someone that needs to be encouraged. God, whatever love looks like, I pray that your spirit that lives within us will lead us and guide us and direct us and help us to love like Jesus loved. Now, God, if there's one in this room that is rejecting your love, if there's one watching us online that is currently rejecting your love, God, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them and you would help them to see just how desperately, how incredibly how powerful your love is. And it's not conditional. God, that you love them. You love us all with a powerful, real, transformational love that can only come from our Creator, from God the Father. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise. Amen. Amen. Have a great, great, great afternoon. God bless.